Battleline podcast, we have special guests, Andrews and Wilson coming on, uh, new book out, Dark Angel, excited to have them on. Uh, but before we get into everything, and we also have some news to get into, uh, we have Dustin on, who is the CEO of BioPro Plus, which you've heard us talk about. And, and Dustin just wanted to hop on to really like give listeners a better idea of what BioPro Plus is doing and uh, and how it's going to help guys who, who could really use this, whether it's low T or who are just looking to advance and enhance their life in some way. Yeah, uh, I appreciate that, Ian. Thanks so much. But, uh, you know, you guys have been have been covering it very well over the last few weeks. I'm super excited to hear the type of benefits and type of results Chris has been getting with the product and some of the guys that listen to the podcast have been getting with the product. But, um, you know, just to kind of break it down into layman's terms of what people have been really listening to, because I know they hear you guys every week. And um, there's probably a lot of questions out there of, you know, what we've what Chris has been taking yeah. or um you know, what we've been talking about. So I thought I'd break it down, keep it real simple. Um, the fact is, you know, none of us are getting any younger, Ian. You know, we're all, we're all getting older every day. And there are certain things we can't, you know, we can't stop. We can't stop physiological changes. We can't stop, you know, the clock turning over each and every day. But there's things we can do to kind of set ourselves up to to best perform in our daily lives and be there for the people that we love and care about and, and you know, take care of ourselves. And I know a lot of the guys that listen to this show are veterans, yeah. um, you know, they're guys that are active. They're they're they've put their bodies through hell, and and those types of guys, you know, need a little bit of an edge, maybe more than a lot of us do. And that's kind of where our product comes in. It's it's just to help offset what your body's not making anymore. Uh, every year after puberty, your your human growth hormone, as well as other hormones, goes down every single year, and that's that's going to happen whether you know how, no matter how hard you train, no matter how great you eat. Um, those things are going to happen. So uh, with human growth hormone, it goes down every year. And human growth hormone is transformed into what are called growth factors. Growth factors are protein cytokines. They are what are actually sent out into the bloodstream to tell cells what to do. So if you want your cells to do stuff like build muscle, um, to increase oxygen potency in your blood, to regenerate nerve endings, uh, those are growth factors that do it. So we just created a product that's 100% natural to 100% non-synthetic. That's pure growth factors that help offset what your body no longer makes. Um, it's hundred percent non-synthetic. Yes. hundred percent safe. It works super fast and it's super easy to use. So, I mean, that's pretty much it. It's anybody with chronic issue, chronic issues like pain, fatigue, low libido, you know, they're having a few issues, losing a few extra pounds cause they got blood sugar issues or insulin problems. Um, all those are really offset with proper growth factor serum levels. And, and that's, that's, what's beneficial for me is like all you talked about there is that I, I could tell the difference. It did take me a couple weeks. I know like guys like Greg, it, it started immediately. Granted, he's 10 years younger than me, so he still has a little <laughs> bit more of that testosterone than, than I do. But uh, but Greg Anderson, a ranger that we've had on the show, guys, you guys have heard him before. But um, two weeks, but I, I did see and feel the difference as far as just energy levels, um, the ability for me to process protein efficiently. I was getting protein, I, and I use good collagen protein as well from Bub's Naturals, but... I don't think my body was using it as efficiently as it could. And when I got all the, 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 the test on, and all the fancy stuff you talk about, Dustin, I can't tell. I'm not that smart. <laughs> but it, yeah. you could yeah, just yeah, feel yeah. it like, oh, my gosh, my body, I, I was at a level that I was getting better. And then it just jumped me up to another level. So it was like, oh, my God, my body is, is really so, working this Chris, stuff well. <laughs> what guys don't realize, and I want to touch on exactly what you said, because 
we get questions every single day. Social media is the greatest, right? Because you get a direct line to anybody who needs any answers questions super fast. And one of the number one questions, this is specifically from your listeners, because we can see who's doing what, who's do, you know, who's popping in. And then we always ask them is, hey, can I use this with testosterone? Because they're on TRT. And what you're saying is, is you, what you said, Chris, and I'll kind of dovetail this is I wasn't absorbing things properly. And what people don't understand is human growth hormone is absolutely uh, in sync with testosterone. And scientifically, if you have super low growth factor serum levels or growth factor levels in your body, your body cannot use or exert the benefits from testosterone. So if you don't have, if you're, you could be taking all the TRT, if you want, if you have zero growth factor levels, you cannot absorb and exert the testosterone or, you know, absorb nutrients appropriately. And this is a huge thing that guys are missing out on. Um, and we just, we're just, trying to help out and do our part and or you're do- help people not feel like crap. <laughs> you're, you're doing great. Brother, it's working tremendous and I really appreciate it. And yeah, you and I will talk talk more. We'll, we'll be having a relationship I really appreciate for a while, you brother. guys, man. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, and if anybody has any questions, just reach out to us. Do not hesitate. We're here to help. But I'll talk to you guys later and you guys have a great oh, time. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely, Thanks, man. And, and we appreciate you hopping on to, to just talk oh. about it because as you said, people have some questions and it's important to be transparent about it. And, and as Dustin knows, like it took a little bit before we even wanted to do this because as Chris said, he was like, both of us felt there's so many supplements out there. Some of them are great. Some of them aren't. Some of them are these like proprietary blends of God knows what's in it. And uh, once Chris hopped on, he's like, no, let's do this. So yeah, check them out guys. It's bioproteintech.com. You'll get $30 off when you use Battleline at checkout, bioproteintech.com. Bioproteintech is the Instagram if you guys got any questions. I love answering those. Uh, I'm on it. We got people always managing it, so you do your thing. But uh, yeah, I appreciate your time, guys. I, I'm really you know stoked to be a part of this, and uh, I love what you guys are doing, and I love the podcast. So thanks. keep it up. Thanks, buddy. We're, we're stoked, too. You, you keep us going. Thank, then thanks, we're able yeah. to do this because of guys like you. So once again, guys, bioproteintech.com, promo code battle line from omaha nebraska to new york city from planet earth to extraterrestrial life in space a podcast with no equal, engaged in unconventional warfare through your speakers and headphones. This is a show about embracing the suck, conquering your demons, and finding God in the face of adversity. Chris Tonto Peranto. Twitch is on. Motherfucker, I'm going to shoot you in the face. Ian Scotto. You know, Ian and I have been dating for a long time. You are now tuned into the Battle Line Podcast. The switch is on battle line podcast. And if you heard that, that is not Chris. That's not me taking piss. I was filling my coffee. Sorry about that. Coffee. <laughs> I once, I once did a show where someone was on it, you know, will we'll remain nameless. Really? They were on like headset to, and I'm like, 
are you taking a piss right now while we're talking? They're like, oh, you heard that? Oh it's like, yes, the mic picks up everything. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the switch is on, guys. <laughs> Battle on podcast. Thanks for um, you know sticking with us through having Dustin on because I know a lot of guys had questions about that. We got Andrews and Wilson coming on. Um, actually, weather here in uh, Connecticut and in the New York area is getting great. Uh, it has me pumped for spring. Baseball season has started. Hockey season is coming to an end. I wish the Islanders were uh, in the playoffs, but I'll probably watch some of the Rangers. It would be nice I, I to see th- New York have a Stanley Cup, if uh, even if it is. Yeah, it's it's nice to see. It's nice to see. Ma- I always like to see Major League Baseball. That's America's game, man. I don't care what anybody says. The NBA, NFL, I, the MLB is in baseball is that's America, man. And having the Red Sox, I, I and I, I do. I still love the Yankees. I'm a huge Yankee fan. Um, and, and a baseball for the, last night. I know I, they've been, they always start. Well, no, it's just off and on. It's that's why the season and ba- it's so awesome. Cause you can see teams just, just do so shitty until they all start all-star break and then they'll pick up and they'll, and, and vice versa. But that's the beauty sure. of baseball. And for the most part, they do keep, I mean, there's still some, but for the most part, they keep their politics out of the game itself. So it's, it's America, man. And watching the Yankees and the Red Sox, the very first game of the year, Come on, man. That that doesn't really get Not much yet. better. Much better than that. And and you still got the pinstripes and you got the the clean cut Yankees versus the ragamuffin Red Sox with the beards and and but that's basically that's what's so awesome about it. And I love I just do I, I love I love watching baseball, even though most my wife says, How do you can you watch that? It's so freaking boring. And I just, it's like, no, nah, it's just great. And and it just feels I don't know, it feels like spring. It feels like season starts. Yeah. It's- it's almost relaxing, you know, unless the game is very exciting. But come to think of it, actually, my friend, my good friend, George, who's a listener, George Earhart, was at that game with the Red Sox cool. in the corporate suite with his company. Uh, and who is honestly a uh, a user of Bob's Natural. No shit. That's awesome. So the other thing that I wanted to get into, of course, and, and it's like unfortunate to have to get into, but it is the big news. And we do talk firearms in here, even if it is like in the unfortunate circumstance. Uh, as everybody saw this past week, there was the mass shooting at the subway in Brooklyn. And the uh, first thing that comes to my mind is the fact that, I mean, I've ridden the subway countless times from Brooklyn and Manhattan. And I'm sure I've been on that subway at some point. Friends of ours like Jack Murphy and Dave Park, they're in that area. And Brooklyn's such a diverse area that, that you know, if you ride through Brooklyn, you've been on there at some point. And uh, the thing that I just wanted to point out, basically, and I think it's just the way both of us feel is, for one, I just felt a huge amount of sympathy for who this happened to, uh, regardless of where it is. I mean, that that is one scary situation. Thank God for that civilian who found this guy, saw him walking in the middle of the street, tracked down the NYPD, and they took him down right there in, you know, uh, right in broad daylight the the next day, as, as crazy as it is. But uh, the thing that I just, this is what, what I hate about media in general, it's not just the mainstream media, it's just political media in general, is that immediately we have to jump to, uh, you know, the gun control debate. And, and I, I feel like there's no, uh, there's, there's no sympathy, there's no empathy, everything automatically has to be, for people in politics, I got to jump on TV, I got to jump on Twitter, and I got to tell you why. We need to change gun laws, either make them less restrictive, more restrictive. And it's no uh, no empathy for the victims and their families. That That's what should be first. And well, foremost. I, I, I don't you know when you have a, a gun, uh, gun violence in a state that is very restrictive on guns. That's the, I think that is the 
the total hypocrisy of of the gun debate right there. I it really because you you have a state that that doesn't allow guns. Yes, there's but yet there's gun violence. So we all know that the laws don't work. Period. But then you come on the other end. Well, let's loosen it up. Let everybody have guns. Well, wait a second. That's what caused the. That's what caused the damage in the first place. So I, it, it's so ridiculous because I just see it going in a circle. I, I, I yeah yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, I I, I don't mean to interrupt. No, you, no, no, no. Of course, you and I are both in favor of of having more freedom in terms of, of gun laws, right? And I, and I do think you know, you should be able to responsibly carry in New York City. But the thing that I, I will say I don't like on that end is the people who are like, oh, if someone had a gun on that subway, this wouldn't have happened. Oh, that, yeah. And it's like, maybe, maybe, maybe yeah. not, because it's not exactly an easy thing no, to take it, it is, a gunman on a crowded subway and not take out. Oh, and it's not that easy just to pull your, it really isn't. I know on social media, you see these all the time, like, oh, how easy it is for somebody to intervene. Guys, when you're faced with that, believe me, it is not. And if you have not been trained at least a little bit just to get that gun out, you are your brain doesn't want to do that. It's not natural. It is not a natural feeling. And 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 so I, I just think, yeah, somebody had a gun on there. They'd pull it out and shot him. Maybe. And if my aunt had balls, she'd be my uncle. I, who knows? I, I don't know. You know, you, you can't and on a crowded subway even if they did shoot you, them the, you always talk the, about the path the, of the bullet you're on a crowded subway the, with children yeah. with all different types the possible of collateral da- possibility of collateral damage of course always increases because of your surroundings that's why you have to be aware of your surroundings and know what's going on so I, bro, I'm, I'm the same way um you know i i i, I believe and for i don't side with that let's get rid of all guns that's 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 a fantasy anyway. And that would not work. Cause of I, I mean, if, ask Dave park, if yeah, if getting rid of all guns would stop violence on a subway, well, no, it's not, it wouldn't. Um, but on the other end too, everybody having a gun, especially those that aren't trained to carry guns or have never really shot, except they've gone through a course that said, Hey, here's your little certification. You can carry a gun. Now that's not the answer either because now you have a possibility of, yeah, you said collateral damage or, you, you have very untrained people that you're going to have bad shoots where you're making a bad decision where a gun doesn't need to be used in defense. And, it, you know, the escalation, like we talked with Matt, with Sergeant Waters, you know, hey, what's the escalation of force or the de-escalation procedures? How can we talk our way out of this? And and I think everybody that's been trained and has been trained a lot with firearms, that is our always our first response is, can we de-escalate the situation where we don't have to do anything? That is the best way to win this fight. And now once somebody starts shooting, what do you do? All right, well, now we've got to see what your surroundings are. If you haven't already paid attention to your surroundings and had not already kind of war game scenarios, which a lot of us do, which kind of makes, if you if you can't control it, at least down to that post-traumatic stress route, it does. But that's how we are. That's how I operate. If I'm in an area, I'm, where's everybody? How is there anybody that's looking shady right now? If they are, where are they located? Where are the exits? Where are all the kids at? I look at, the, hey, where are the kids? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, there's one there, there's one there, there's one there. And I got a gun. If I have to draw it, what do I need to do? Where do I need to place myself? So if I have to shoot, and it, it, that's a daily occurrence with all of us that kind of, some of them, it, it does drive you a little crazy. It can, but that's, I'm, I'm not the norm either. That's not what most people are thinking. They're not thinking that way. They're thinking, I just got to get to work. And then if you're carrying a gun and all of a sudden somebody starts shooting, you are caught off guard. You have lost the initiative. You are surprised. And now you've got to regather yourself to try to respond to that. If you can't even do that, that is not easy to do. I think of it. I, I say this in my speeches when I talk to the corporations about leadership and, 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 and having that that ability to lead from the front where you're not caught off guard or you're not caught in your back, you know, stepping on your back foot. Think of it this way. You're walking down the street, looking at your cell phone, you're down, your eyes are down. And let's say I am doing that here. I'm not paying attention to what's going on around me. And you tap me on the shoulder or I tap you on the shoulder. Let's do vice versa. What do you do? Holy shit. I'm, I'm surprised. And this is just a friendly tap on the shoulder. Look, can you yeah. imagine, just imagine yourself looking at your cell phone, which everybody probably was or, or, and all of a sudden, the explosion starts to go off. How that startles you, and how that adrenaline goes to spikes to levels where you don't know how to control that adrenaline. And now, all of a sudden, you're going to pull a gun and start shooting. It's not. No, it doesn't work that way unless somebody has been trained, 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 and is ready for that situation because they have been paying attention and maintaining their situational awareness at that time. And I'll tell you guys, not all you can't do that 100. 100% of the time. I can't. I, you get tired. You just want to check out. And like I said, I don't ride the subway. You know more about the subway than I do um, because we don't have subways out here in Kansas. But, um, uh, you know, you have at some point, though, right? Oh, New yeah, York yeah, yeah. No, I've read the Acela and yeah. the subway. Of course, when, so, I mean, you know what it's like. And when you, when, I know when I get on, I, I you kind of feel relaxed. You know, you're like, uh, yeah. okay, well, I can take it easy. Well, the weird thing about the subway, though, in, in New York is that it's just – it's always chaos. It's people performing. There's always a homeless person with some speech. And it's like a rehearsed speech every time. It's just the, the amount of like weird shit you see on the subway. I mean, the stuff that you just see go on Twitter of like just crazy shit. I'm sure a lot of you have seen it. So you're kind of desensitized to everything if you've ridden the subway enough. But the, the thing with these shootings is, like I said, I hate the rush to talk about gun violence one way or the other, because I really do feel like these mass shootings, uh, it is a cultural yeah. problem and not, not a culture of guns, a culture of everybody at each other's throat. That's the problem because of the fact that I just always look and I, I don't think people bring this up because it's not popular too, and it doesn't sell, but, uh, all different types of guns were around long before Columbine and long before we had all these mass shootings all the time. And the thing is, what wasn't around, honestly, was the 24-7 news coverage and Twitter and Facebook. And like this guy, the shooter, he had a YouTube channel. He was black supremacist. And it's always some type of radical ideology that drives people over the edge and they're isolated. And there's just a lot of anger and, and hostility and me against some other group in this country that drives people over the edge. It, Not to make excuses for this guy in any way whatsoever. No, he, he should be punished <laughs> to the fullest extent of the law. But I do think it's a mental health and cultural issue more so than a gun. I think it's a social media issue. I, it's easy to to get ingrained in ideologies 
with social media and you don't have to leave your house, but you can find a group thinking, you can find that sounding that echo chamber where you can find people that are all the same, have that same mindset, radical mindset. How do you, and they're going to go that same route and then they go off the edge like this guy did. What did, yeah, they don't, I don't think they become radicalized overnight. It's an no, ideology. It's, it's gotta, yeah. And I think that ideology escalates to we need a violent revolution. Oh, God, where does this come from? This came from Al Qaeda. This came from the insurgents when they oh, do you remember? I don't think I don't know if you did, but even before Facebook and even before Instagram came out in the early 2000s, the terrorists had they would go out and they film their attacks. They'd film and you. Would oh, yeah. See, remember, I remember those with the, with the music. In in the background. Background. That yeah. was right there. That's where they were getting their members. Well, now it's shit and easy. Now everybody can do it because now you've got all these easy platforms to do it from. So are, who are we holding really responsible here? Are we are we really holding the gun people and, and the gun? It's their fault. Or if we're looking at something on the outside and not the person in general, which it's always the person's fault. So they're, it's, they're, they're choosing yeah. to do that. The gun is just a tool. But if we're going to use and blame a tool, we're not should be blaming that gun. We should be blaming on, hey, on the platform that even we're, we should be blaming the social media and the ease to be indoctrinated into those ideologies and those mindsets when the social media is used in the wrong way. That's why on Instagram, you don't see me posting and I will not do the political bullshit posts. I post stuff about God. I show posts about being positive. I stop posts about never giving up. That's what I believe social media should be used for. And it doesn't help to use a little business in there too. You know, as long as you've got a good, like I I have no problem helping and pushing bubs out there because bubs is, has a positive mind. They have a positive theme. They have a positive uh, uh, message and all their stuff is to help. Hey, how can we help you better yourself? How can you get stronger? I, I don't have an issue with companies that do that on social media at all, but the politics and the news, no, uh, you know, and, and utilizing social media as a weapon, it is, it's a fucking weapon guys. And not holding that post social media responsible for this is completely hundred percent wrong and saying, Oh, it's the guns fault, it's gun fault, guns fault. So all you politicians out there stop with either if you're on the gun happy side or the anti-gun, nobody should have one side, shut the fuck up and concentrate on really what the problem is. And that's, that's this, my opinion, that's social media. And that we, I saw that in the early two thousands with when the terrorists, they perfected it and that's how they grew their numbers. They, they, they grew their huge numbers by social media. I, if you want, there's a great documentary on ISIS and how they, how they even blossomed when social media became huge uh, from this early Zakari days where they believe that's where the, the lineage came from was Zakari back in, uh, back in Iraq, which I don't know if I really believe that that's the case, but still ISIS grew to monstrous proportions and grew outside of the Middle East with the help of social media. Well, that's the same thing, the doctrination with any of these radical groups that you talked about, black supremacist, white supremacist, anything like you're growing with social media. That's the problem. That's the weapon, not the shit, not the rock, not the knife, not the gun, social media. But we yeah. don't we don't look that way. We don't want to see that. You know, and Elian Musk. Yeah. A, I, and I just I'm sorry, bro. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, I, I, I agree with with what you're saying. And I think the problem is also just us as a culture, once again, being at each other's throats, uh, you know. <laughs> I think everybody has their minds in the right place. You know, even the people who are very anti-gun, who are just civilians, most of them, they just don't want to see this type of thing happen. Yeah, there's nothing and, wrong. And they're- maybe they're misguided, but I, I don't think there should be such hostility towards everybody. And for those people 
you know, the law abiding gun owner is not your enemy. That's not who you need to blame for this. And, and I, I just think if we could, it's it, like, it's not popular to say if we could all just like kind of get along and try to like see each other's viewpoints and, and figure out a way to, to police better in, in areas like this. But anyway, uh, we do have to get to, we, 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 and still, we still got like three minutes. So we're, we're good. Cause I, 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 I want to agree with you though. I, I do. Cause I, I think you have something I, you, you really, have something there, and I, I know I'll hurry. We got to read. I know, but <laughs> but you're, you're you're right. I I I and I I have no problem with the people that, that hey, we shouldn't have guns. I, we I, it doesn't bother me at all. I, I completely agree with that. If we didn't have guns, you know, we wouldn't. Ha- we probably wouldn't have gun violence. We still have violence, but I understand where they're coming from because they don't want the violence. I don't want to see it either, and I completely agree with that. But taking away weapons of any sort uh to defend ourselves is not the answer and on the other gun side don't hate those people that are that just don't want to see the violence see where they're coming from like ian said i completely want to yeah and it's it's definitely not going to change their opinion if if you're at them and you know fuck you if you don't agree with me it's not a way to like convert people to your ideology where they might say hey maybe i had this wrong um yeah, I, I just think this like anger towards each other. We're always going to have different politics in this country, and it, it doesn't need to be so angry and divisive. But that's the way the mainstream media has made things. That's the way the algorithm on Instagram. It's just the well, way, it and works. it pushes you to the extremism. If you are going to be at each other's throat, that's what you're doing. You're having the opposite effect. You're not bringing people into your side. You're actually pushing farther away, which is you're pushing them to an extremist side of a point of view. So, um. Yeah. I, I, okay, guys, let's do the reach. I'm sorry about that, guys. I just, I just wanted to agree with no, you because he's you, completely you, right on on that. But you, you and I feel the same way on this, and it's the way that you and I connect on some level is why you and I really don't watch a whole lot of media, why we don't get so heated over this stuff because I, it's become a rerun. I know every single time there's a mass violence incident, we're going to hear the exact same thing again and again, and it gets us absolutely nowhere. So I just. I've seen it every year. Yeah. I see the same thing. So anyway, we you were talking about Naturals before. <laughs> Buff Naturals is a great company. Yeah. Uh, as I said, my friend George Earhart is like a big, big believer now in their Fountain of Youth formula. When we go hiking, he brings it. Get your daily vitamin yeah. C. Get your micronutrients in for the day. And their collagen protein every time post-workout, I love taking. Especially if you're like me and you work out at night and you might not want to have something heavy. You could just put that in cold water. Uh, hot water, if you want to do it that way, put in your coffee and you're not having this like heavy thing to eat last, uh, you know, last meal of the day. So I love their stuff. And, and collagen is the building blocks of the body. Right. It's, it's the, what you need and you're not getting it in your food. And it's it's just amazing how it does repair repairs and helps with the, your joint health with helps with your flexibility, helps with just helping to heal old wounds. And I just, Hey guys, I just had a colonoscopy on Monday. I know you don't want to hear about the colonoscopy, but myrosive colitis is completely in remission. And I believe a lot of that wow, has to be right. attributed to the collagen protein, but also that MCT oil with the, the coconut, the coconut oil in there. I, I, it does. And it, if you can even search your inflammatory bowel disease uh, havers out there, look at what coconut oil does. If you get it processed right, when you get it in your body the right way, it can help with those problems and help heal. And 
dude, I, I attest a, a lot of that to Bubs. You know, of course, I try to maintain a healthy lifestyle, but Bubs has been a huge part of that. I don't think it's any coincidence that you know, I've been on it for almost a year and a half, close to two years. Help me with my time. You know, I always suck on my time. See, and, Nothing like, yeah, two years um, probably. Yeah. I, I don't think it's a coincidence that that had something to do with it, along with, you know, and we're not, but along with the CBD, along with Ned guys and it's also it does the protein is amazing and it has definitely helped me with recovery my strength and a joint definite joint health that my joints don't hurt at all anymore and i'm 51 and i'm still out there running i'm gonna go run with body armor today so matt nice. bubs is awesome. awesome awesome stuff yeah I, I feel like all you army rangers love doing like the run sack <laughs> stuff and all that like even after yeah even after uh, you know you're long done with that it's just part of like the culture put so, that pro mask on too natural. brother put on the pro mask too like, nice. like man i won't do that today i'll find one but yeah go ahead i'm sorry <laughs> um no bubsnaturals.com promo code battle line you're gonna get 20 percent off bubsnaturals.com promo code battle line as i always say you can see it in the shelves of places like vitamin shop and other uh you know specialty grocery stores and health stores but you'll get a better deal through us when you go to bubsnaturals.com and use the promo code battle line also this show is brought to you by fort scott munitions fort scott is a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC spun ammunition. It's designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed out and quicker incapacitation. This ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that you receive the same results with every pull of the trigger. Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in all 50 states. Just go to the dealer locator on their website and go to fortscottmunitions.com. Link is right there in the description. Use the exclusive promo code BATTLELINE for 15% off your order only available to listeners of the Battle Line podcast. I can't wait to go to Fort Scott yeah. and uh, hang with those guys. Our, our friend Jimmy Allen is going to oh, be yeah. there. I did say to Jimmy, I was on the phone with Jimmy yesterday. I said, dude, if you can, bring your acoustic guitar because I want to see Jimmy Allen perform, you know, blurry and all that. Yeah, just, just to nerd out myself. Well, if he could do that at the range, I, how cool would that be? Out the range? Oh, I know. That'd be awesome. I think he's going to do it. So I'm excited for it. Uh, check them out, guys. FortScottMunitions.com. It's the best yep, ammo out there. F-O-R-T-S-C-O-T-T-M-U-N-I-T-I-O-N-S.com. Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, Battleline Tactical, and the Battleline Podcast. It's tremendous. Back on the podcast with us are Brian Andrews and Jeff Wilson. You guys have heard them before. For those who don't know, Navy veteran author team. The latest book is Dark Angel, and I feel like I just spoke with you guys when you had the first book from the Shepherd series out. Um, we're going to get into this book, you know, because last time it was Dark Intercept. This is a new series. I was wondering with, you know, the pace that you're putting these out, what inspires you guys? Are you guys reading anything right now? There's so many great authors in the genre, whether it's, you know, guys we've had on like AJ Tata or Brad Thor. Um because I know for me with what we do, I, I listen to so many podcasts and it encourages me to step my game up and say, I want to be on this level of what they're doing. I want to be as good of an interviewer as this guy. Um, you know, I can even think it's funny. I'm wearing a Eddie Van Halen shirt 
And I'm inspired by things like that, the greatness of that, or even watching a performance of Eddie Van Halen where there's there you could find him online where Eddie is drunk, he gives a shitty performance, and the next day he's out there and he's great. And it reminds me like not every podcast is going to be great. You got to pick yourself up and do better on the next one. Uh, for what you do, it's a little bit different. Every book does have to be great. So I'm just wondering, is there something you're reading, something you're watching that inspires you to be the best writer out there? Yes, the thing is, it's such a great time. Uh, if you are a lover of fiction, whether it's books, TV shows, movies, there is so much intellectual property out there now. And it's so there's so many good storytellers out there now that it's easy to be inspired. Like I, I have to admit that I don't have the time I used to to read books um, start to finish. I used to consume a book a week, but now with our writing, wow. schedule, that's hard to do. Um, but I, yeah, we have our favorites, you know, two of whom you mentioned, and then, you know, Don Bentley and um, Mark Cameron, Mark Graney. There's so many great people. And there's so many people yeah. that have a military for real military background, like Bentley, who was an Apache pilot and uh, our friend, Josh Hood, who was with the 82nd and then a, you know, Memphis SWAT sniper. And there's so many people writing in the space but also telling stories on streaming television. You know, these it's a whole new way to get your stuff in little doses. You know, eight great episodes of a show like they yeah. did with Reacher um, that they're doing yeah. with Pablo's new show, right? Like that, that the way they stream stuff now is not like network television where they have to come up yeah. with 45 episodes and it gets stale so fast. Um, so as storytellers ourselves, we're inspired almost every day now because there's so much storytelling going on out there it's just easy if you're writing about characters that you care about then the inspiration comes from wanting to get back into their lives so that might sound a little silly but you know if you're spending a lot of time like with john dempsey or chunk or jed in the dark intercept series and you're really invested in them you want the story to go on because you care what's going to happen next so one of the cool things, I think it would be more problematic if we only had one book a year, one series, one set of characters, but we don't. With these different series and these different characters, we look forward to getting back to writing about them. We look forward to seeing them and seeing what's going to happen with them. And so uh, that's that's sort of my uh, personal like motivation is, yeah, we just finished book seven and tier one, and now we're writing Sons of Hour 3. And... Jeff and I were talking about, like, we're ready to get back to that universe and see what's going on with Chunk and Whitney and, and even the antagonists, you know, the bad guys. We care about their demise and all their what, what they've got. How do you, how do you so keep that's not kinda, mixing that's things kinda. up? I, I couldn't do that. I, I like you, you've got different characters. How do you make sure they're not getting the same personalities that, you know, you're reading Dark Intercept and all of a sudden, holy shit, I, I just read that in Sons of Valor, but that's a different, wait, they're just copying their own shit. And how do you not do that? Because I, I know I would. I, I, I'm just, I'm not that creative. I, but yeah. how, how, do you, how do you stop yourself? That's, so that's an awesome question because um, that's, a, that's a real thing, right? Like if you're writing this much volume, I think that the key for us, and again, it sounds cheesy, it sounds like something you say on an interview because it sounds good. It sounds really writer-esque. But the bottom line is these characters, like Brian was sort of alluding to, they really do become real to us. You know, unlike some in our genre, and this isn't a plus or a negative, it's just a difference. We write very character-driven rather than plot-driven stories. Ours are about the characters and their relationships, the toll that combat takes on families, on, on operators and their teammates. And so those characters become so real to us and hopefully real to the readers that 
confusing Dempsey with Chunk or with Jed would be no more possible for us than me confusing my son Jack with my son Connor or, you know, my daughters. But not that I don't call them by the wrong names because that's something that happens after age 50, as you well know. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, I, but I wouldn't really get it mixed up, right? And so, and so that sounds like a cheesy answer, but it's really the truth. Once we get in the story, those characters really do inform the story. Like there are times, as crazy as it sounds, where I swear Dempsey's whispering in my ear, I would like, never, bro, don't write yeah, that. I would never, never yeah. do that. So, <laughs> that's ridiculous. Yeah. So, I mean, they just become so real for us that that's not really, really been a problem. The geopolitical stuff, maybe a little bit more, you know, some overlap. But the way we address that was we're just very forward and upfront about it. We write our fictional universe based on real world geopolitics. So if things are affecting the people in Sons of Valor geopolitically, it's not unreasonable that the same things would be going on for the tier one team or even for Jed or, you know, whether it's China or the growing Russian threat and that sort of thing. It's okay to duplicate some of that as long as your as long as your story isn't the same. Obviously, that's not going to go over well. But yeah, well, I will tell you a story though that it, it is kind of interesting. When I first when I wrote my first book, so before I was co-authoring, before I'd had experience uh, telling stories, you know, my very first effort before I trained that, him up and got him good. Before you trained me up, yeah. <laughs> it, in that book, I remember I had written the rough draft. And I was reading through and I was like, this book's so good. That's exactly what I would do. That's exactly what I would say in that situation. Oh, man, that guy did what I would do. And then the epiphany hit. Oh, no. Oh, no. Really, really bad. Like every character does what I would do, do, says what I would say. They're all just carbon copies of me. (laughs) And so I went back and I like rejiggered it and gave them personality profiles to try to differentiate them and stuff. And that exercise for me has guided me as I go on, because I, I do realize that we are, we all are creatures of habit. And sometimes I'll find myself using a certain expression that maybe I've used before, or I'll be writing for like Whitney Watt. She's a 20 something millennial. And I'll say, oh, she wouldn't say that. Like, what do, how do millennials talk? So you get online, you look up, listen to things. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I Man, think- you have to use the word lit a lot. Not if it's millennial, if it's like lit. Gen Z, everything is lit. Yeah, there. exactly. Yeah. So I no, think I, you, I, have to, you have to say, get your head in this character and say, I'm not, this is not me behaving. This is my character. This is this person. And like, like Jeff said, once you get to know that person, then it's just like, imagine telling a story about guys in your unit or at a job. You wouldn't, you wouldn't mix up the people that you know, but but you got to get to know them first. From what I'm hearing, the beginning, it's, it's, it's not difficult for you guys, but that's the hardest time. That's, it's just getting them down. But once you got their personalities down, then you can just flow with it. And it just, that makes sense. It does. It makes, it makes sense. I still couldn't do it. I would be habitual (laughs) writing stuff like I would want to hear it, but uh, it's got to be a skill set that is definitely learned and doesn't come natural. Like you said, it didn't come natural to you. you. It took you trial and error. And and then Jeff will say he helped you with, I'm sure Jeff did. He he taught you everything. I, I, I wouldn't say that, but it's Jeff talking through me. He's coming through me. Um, but, but it, it does, it does sound like that's, that's, but it's like anything else you have to learn. And once you get it learned, Okay, I got it down now. It's a, that's military way of learning things. Whenever when you start to shoot, for if you never shot before, well, yeah, this is hard. But once you start shooting a thousand times, 
Oh, this is easy now. Got it. Got it down. So it sounds similar. I maybe I'm way off, but I I think it's yeah. the same. No, well, no, you're not. You're not off. You are. You're, you're right. And I think that you also have to. The other thing we try to do too is you can't get complacent oh, yeah. with your craft. So you know it, it's tempting to look, and we do this through what we call our our development at our DE. You know, it's tempting to write that book and and pat yourself on the back and be like, hey, this is really good. But what you really you can do that on the first draft. And then you need to step away from the project. And then when you come back in the editing phase, you need to be look at it with a critical eye and say, well, how do I make this more uh, thrilling? How do I increase the suspense? How do I increase the conflict? How do I make it more clear to somebody who's maybe never been in the military what the heck we're talking about? How do I make the characters feel more like they're going through a more difficult time than maybe it's on the page? And so I think that is important too. You, you should never just get complacent with the product that you've developed. You always need to be trying to every single time take it up to that higher level. And that's hard and that's work. But we try to well, that's, never that's lose. I think it's uh, anything you do in trade. You, you have to. Yeah. You can't get, when you get complacent, that's when things start to fall apart. That's when things go bad. That's when that's when the product, the end product starts to suck. And, and, and you can tell people, readers can tell, people can yeah. tell. Um, and so you always have to do that. So we call it sustainment training. We just always have to go out there and continue to train. Every two years, we had to go through everything over all over again that we went through the very first. And just to make sure that we were still at the levels that we needed to be, because you, you do, you fall off. If you don't do something, if you don't use something, it falls off. No, I'm sorry. If you don't do something, you definitely fall. It, <laughs> talking about 50 year olds here. I, I know. Jeff speaking before about like being character driven with this book in particular. And, uh, you know, you've spoken about it before on the podcast that you're someone, both of you guys, but especially Jeff, very um, open about your faith. I know, Jeff, you do a lot of like mentoring and, and a lot of um, volunteer work. And it, in this series in particular, that plays out. We talked about it in Dark Intercept. And yeah, I think it'd, it'd be interesting to hear some of the issues of faith that your main protagonist goes through in this second book. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny, uh, Brian and I talked about this um, and it was one of those things that was in retrospect. We like to pretend like everything is very well planned out and intentional. But in this series, as we were writing this second book, um, Brian said this on a recent interview and, it, and it, I think it resonated as absolutely right on. The first book almost has become a prologue. I mean, it's definitely, it stands on its own. I think it's a great, exciting book. We're proud of it. But the second book, you know, you don't find out until the end of the first, for people who haven't read the first one, I'm not going to give anything away, but you don't really find out about the shepherds until the last chapters of the book. Like they're sort of out there and it's something mysterious is going on. And at the very end, you sort of learn what that is. And then the next book, the challenge is to develop that, right? So now Jed is um, has makes a decision that he's going to join this organization, and you know we. And for the audience, I should just say because some of the audience, you know, we spoke about it in the last one, but Jed Ajaya Johnson, who is a Navy SEAL, that's that's your protagonist. Yeah, former Navy SEAL, and a little bit different for us in that he starts out broken, right? He's not at the top of his game like a Dempsey or a Chunk. He's medically retiring after an injury. He's emotionally and psychologically broken because he's losing his teammates and is does no idea what he's going to do next. He doesn't know. This is something everybody you know can relate to, especially those of us that have served and separated. You know, where, where do I go from here? What's going to happen next? And he's spiritually broken too because he's run away from his faith when he had to confront evil. 
And so now this is a whole new lease on life for Jed in book two. But it also is a challenge because we now have to we have to unfold that story. We have to peek behind the curtain. What is the shepherds? Where do they come from? How long have they been around? Who funds them? Where do they do it? And we had to integrate him into a team, something that, Chris, you'll really relate to. We had to we had to say uh, this is very, very uh, analogous to what happens in the contractor world um, and what happens in some of these other task force organizations, you take a bunch of experienced team guys from all walks of life, army and air force and Navy and Marines, and they've got 15, 20 years of experience, but they um, now have to come together as a team and they've never served together. How do you train that? How do you train those guys in a short term to have them to be a brotherhood, to have that team and mission before self because that stuff is forged oh, it is, in it adversity, is, it is, right? It is. It is. And so, and, you know, you get. Uh, I, I think it's it, it's because of and, and I, you guys get it right here. Is it's you've already know how to do it. You know you have to become a team. You know the learning curve is now very very short, and the teamwork camaraderie curve is very very short. So you already know coming in, like okay, I I, I may not get along with all the guys, but we need to work as a team now. So you already have it in your mind when you get on the ground. There is yep. no, there is no, e, there's the egos. Yep. They're there, but they stay inside because you don't have time to put the egos out there. And then once you get to know the guys after a week or two, the egos, now the personalities and the different egos start to come out. And, but you learn to stay away from the guys that you may not get along with. And then you still on your, on your off time. But when the team goes, and I, I told, I don't know if we talked, I think we did talk about it on the other show that you guys were on. Um, Oz, Oz and I don't like each other. We didn't like each other there. We And that wasn't the first time I've been on a team where guys didn't get along. But that was the beauty of being in the special operations community. You know that you're going to have to work with guys that you don't like. Alpha males, a shocker, don't all get along. That's a big shock, right? Yeah. Right. But you learn and that's forged within the teams themselves. You are forged within the SEALs or Rangers or SF, whatever, that you have to or you're not going to be here or we're going to beat the living crap out of you until you figure it out. But once you get to that level of the contract side where you get to that age group, that's already become habitual. Like, yes, it's already happened. Well, shit, I got to get along with these guys. I know I have to. Nobody needs to tell me. Nobody needs to beat me up about it. Let's just make it happen because guess what? I want to go home. And I want him to go home. Whether I like him or not, I do want him to go home with his family. And we put those differences aside so we're successful. We put mission, literally mission first. And if you're in the corporate world, you put that job first before your own self-serving things that you need to put in. But you also know that you can't hang out together. And that's okay. You know, just because you're not hanging out doesn't mean you're not part of the team. That's that's the difference, I think, was the hardest thing, Jeff. And I'm sorry. I, I know I'm talking a lot here. That was... A, no, no. This that is that was the hardest thing for me as a contractor is 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 figuring out that yeah he may not be hanging out with everybody, but he's still part of the team. And that's where a lot of people had problems with me towards the end, especially the new guys coming in because I did I really was very antisocial downrange. I'd hang out with a couple guys, but I just, just leave me alone. But when we're ready to go, I'll be right there next to your side. You can trust me. You don't need me to hang out and drink booze with you all night to know that I'm going to be have your back when we go out the gate. Just but just leave me alone. And and that, I think, is the hardest adjustment for the new contractors coming in. The old contractors that have been around for a while, you can know each other's personalities. You know, eh, he likes to go and hang out with everybody and, and sing Kumbaya and play his guitar. He likes to go play Call of Duty and Halo. So leave him alone. He just likes to go be in his room and read books or and you get that. But the new guys, 
they had problems with that and they had to figure that out just like I did when I was a new guy. It's like, we don't hang out. Are we going to be have each other? Are we teammates? But you do in the contract where you, you get it figured out and, and you do though, you do immensely. You have that, you perfect how to get along with people and get the job done, even though you may just totally despise them, but you put that aside. And then when you get home, then if you want to duke it out, when you get to Northern Virginia, you can do that after you get, but downrange, we're working together. I don't care if you like me or not, we're working together. we got a mission to do. Let's get it done. And, and I, the corporate world I, can learns a lot from that in the military. A lot of us have those stories. And Jeff, Jeff you don't say that you, you, you just, it's just how it is. The special operations community, especially it's that way. And in Benghazi, it was that yep. way. I didn't get along with everybody, but God dang, we worked well together. Wow. It was like a symphony. It was beautiful how we worked well together, but we didn't hang out all the time. But that was that we were lucky. We had senior guys, all 40 year old guys that had got that. We knew where we were at. That was that was the blessing that we had. God had that team there for a reason, because we were all older. We knew what to do. We all knew how to act. We all were very mature for alpha males, 40 year old alpha males, mature. But we were able to do that because all of us had perfected that art of getting along when you didn't really want to get along together just to make the, the, the mission, make sure we were very good and successful. Yeah, your your priorities were the same, yes. right? Your your ultimate priorities are the same, and and I think if you have buy in on the mission, like you said, mission before self, you have buy you have to have buy in on the mission, and if you don't have somebody that's capable of yeah. putting their yeah. ego yes. or their own interests, you know, uh, below, then Never that person is not a good fit yeah. for the team. Yeah. So, so Jeff, I just want to get back to like what I originally asked though. So, so some of the issues of faith that come up, you're getting into that. We got sidetracked a little. Actually, actually, Chris, that's everything you said is a perfect setup to answer Ian's question. It's almost like we rehearsed this before Mm -hmm. because, because one thing that's different. So we've talked a lot about how you integrate mature people in a contractor world or in a, a task force world. And those things are all true. But what we here, we have another element. We have this element of supernatural, uh, biblically based supernatural spiritual warfare. So now we've got, we're introducing something that is brand new for all of these characters, right? We're bringing these people into something stressful and different, and we're talking about evil and good at a whole different level. And so we wanted to be creative with how we addressed unifying a team in that regard. And, and uh, I'll let Brian talk about how we did that, which we think was unique. And I know it's going to resonate with Chris, although he's going to be like, I wouldn't have done that. But, um, <laughs> but in terms of the faith stuff, that was the challenge. And, and the real challenge in writing a book like this, especially with the Andrews and Wilson brand, is to write it as an Andrews and Wilson novel and not have it be, you know, this is not meant to be an inspirational novel. We hope that you come away from it with questions that you'll really think about, about faith and the role of God in your life and, you know, his role in the universe, those sorts of things. But at its heart, it's an entertaining thrill ride with those elements weaved in. And so that that's the challenge. You don't want to, you know, we say this all the time. Our readers love to learn, but they hate it when we teach them. So you have to entertain them and have these things come out in a very organic way through the characters. And so having a character like Jed, who's having a crisis in faith, He's run away, doesn't stop believing in God, but he ran away from all of that faith stuff when he encountered true evil. That's kind of the opposite yeah. of what you expect from your yeah. Navy SEAL character, right? He's going to run towards the fire. This guy didn't. He ran to the teams from this evil that he confronted. And so he has to deal with those things. And this entire series of books 
unfolds that. And you get this character of Sarah Beth, who's a complete opposite. She's 12 years old and has that beautiful, simple, loving, trusting faith of a 12-year-old girl. And so in, in many ways, we like to say the rescue story in the first book is, is dual. We have the physical rescue of Sarah Beth, you know, that's the task of Jedediah, but she's spiritually rescuing him by mentoring this pure, simple faith in God. And so those elements, weaving them into an action story was uh, not as challenging as you might think, because there's just so universal, these questions of good and evil and, you know, God, is there one? What's he doing? That sort of thing. Um, so it wasn't it wasn't really that hard. It didn't feel like a pivot. It felt more like yeah. adding another layer to character driven story. Who doesn't? No matter what your answer is to whether there is or isn't a God and what he, his role in my life is, you're a liar if you say you didn't ask it, right? Everyone asks it. And you don't have to have the same answer as Jedediah to enjoy the book. Like, I don't believe in wizards, but I love Harry Potter. So um, so I think that was the, the approach we took. We wanted to blend it in in an entertaining story that would make people think, but mostly be entertained. Brian, did you want to talk about the how we how we integrate well, this? Well, I, I, I do want to just talk about something that you said, which I think is, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of men particularly that would say, well, I, I only like to read nonfiction, you know? Well, for people that only enjoy nonfiction, you know, yeah, we take a lot of those sort of thematic elements that you would find in a leadership, a book on leadership or self-development or spirituality. Those things are in the, in our series because they're of interest to us. But we want to speak to the people that don't want to pick up that nonfiction book, that enjoy fiction, that enjoy the thriller. But we want to give them those that food for thought, those other experiences. And I liked what Jeff said about, you know, comparing Sarah Beth to Jedediah Johnson. And I think what you need to realize, too, or what we try to what we try to instead of teaching, we try to throw show it through the narrative is that you know, your faith and your spirituality is not this static thing. So yes, as a younger person, Sarah Beth, who has not been through all these life adversities, her faith can be very simple and very pure. It gets very complicated when things, bad things happen and you start to become cynical and you're tested and you see things that don't make sense. And suddenly it's hard to have that naive faith and it starts to break down. And then that's where Jedediah is. But then even if you're cynical and even if these things have happened to you, you can still get your spirituality, your faith renewed by looking at somebody who has that very, very deep, singular, you know, approach to it. So we all need that renewal over time. We all need somebody who who can remind us that, yeah, the world is cynical and bad things happen, but it's still right. They're still right and wrong. They're still good and evil. And you can't just... You know, I, I can't remember where I heard it, but you cannot turn to evil to save you from evil, right? That And that's what happens a lot in the world right now. We're afraid, so we're going to preemptively try to prevent a bad thing from happening to ourselves by doing something bad. And that is not right. So the difference between, you know, your choices and how you confront evil defines your character, but also impacts all the people around that, you. Know, did you guys write this that, that off me? Because that sounds exactly like what I went through. I think we even talked about it on the last show a little bit when I got out and I we started doing the movie and stuff where I became, I mean, literally I, I lost God. I, my life was hell. It was, I, I did. I tried to kill myself like three, three times. Um, you know, I, the gun was there in the hand and every time it got a little closer, 
I, I did. I ran towards evil because it was honestly, first of all, my vices. Well, they felt good. There was that immediate gratification, immediate satisfaction. But then when it was done, it was like, God, this, and I'm, I'm worse. But it was easier going towards that than putting my than really put down and trying to pray. Now, again, I didn't lose God at all. He was there, but I just shunned him. You know, like, this is easier. So it's amazing because you guys are right. And it's like, holy shit. Do I get do I get residuals from this? Because this sounds exactly like me. And then, you know, I, I remember I remember that conversation now because we talked about that yeah. um, because you and I you and I had uh, a similar experience in that, you know, we saw and maybe did some things yeah. that yeah. made us question our faith. But like you, I never thought there wasn't a God. I just thought maybe he's a jerk. Maybe, you know. Maybe it's a fire and forget, like he created us and he doesn't care. And now he's just moved on. Like, I didn't see how a loving God could allow. And it's a, it's a, it's a bunny hole. You fall down. How could you let this happen? Right. And, and I've resolved those things. We live in a fallen world and I get all that, but I do. I very vividly now remember that conversation we had about the difference between a crisis yeah. in yeah. faith and a crisis yeah. of faith. Like I'm not having a crisis of whether there's a God I'm having a crisis of whether he's not such a great dude. And like, why is he not, you know, doing this or doing that, doing the things I think he should do. Um, And it's some, in some ways it's harder. I think it's easier for a guy to go, Oh, I was wrong. There's no God. Let me just find it. Well, that's, that's the thing. That's easier. It's easier. That's the whole test. It's what's the, the devil wants you to go the easiest route. That's the, Hey, let's, let's, let's keep leading you down that path. It's easy. I knew there was a God. I never lost faith that he was there. Never. It's that, it's easier for me to go this way. So I, I don't even want to try anymore. I don't want to work hard anymore. You know, I, I don't want to ruck up that mountain because it's easier going down that that valley to the water down there where I can get a drink. I don't want to try to get to the top of the mountain anymore. So, guys, that sounds it. And what got me was my son, my son, my, my kids, seeing the pure, the pure night. And I don't want to call it even naivety. It, it really, it's a pure faithfulness. It's the real real belief in it's what faith is. It's what faith should always stay is that true faith right there in, in what God, how could God give me something so beautiful if there wasn't a God, how can I have it? <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll get back to what Jeff and, and Brian want to say, but it's reminding me, man, it's why when we had Phil Avanti on that, if you guys haven't seen it, the video for oh, yeah, all that remains madness, which Chris is in like real, it's a, it's a very autobiographical right time. music video. I mean, it's you, it's you in and the video playing someone who's about to kill themselves, and then your daughter walks in. It's like it's crazy to watch that and hear that it, it was autobiographical in a sense. And yet you didn't write it. It was hard to do. I was like, oh my gosh, this is not good. I don't know if I should. <laughs> but that's why you did such a good job. If you guys watch, look up Madness, All That Remains on YouTube, and I feel like Chris did a great acting role in that well, thanks, that thanks brother video. but no. I, I appreciate that but guys you know as i said on this did uh, what he's going through and you know it's going through right now is that just something or was that jeff is that your yours coming out somewhere where or, or was it from different because i know i'm not the only veteran that has gone through or had gone and come out the other end okay or or well, yeah what, what, yeah it's an it's an amalgam chris because in and like we talked about in the past it is probably one of the most universal yeah. experiences for combat veterans to go through that period of, of crisis in faith of, you know, I'm not. And, and most of them, it's just like what you just described. I still believe there is a God, but I just don't, I, I can't, yeah. I can't resolve in my own mind the inconsistency with the Jesus with the perm, 
you know, petting the lamb with the horrible things I've seen and done. I just, there's a, such a huge disconnect. It blows my mind too much. I just yeah, can't even figure yeah. it out. So I won't try. And in the ministry that I lead in Tampa, uh, it's a military ministry for, for combat veterans. That is the almost universal description of it. And so in Jed, we see that um, crisis in faith and how he has to find his way back through Sarah Beth and through his own, you know, his own searching. Um, and it's an amalgam, I think, of my experience, Brian's experiences with faith yeah. and many, many other veterans that we've that we've encountered over the Brian, years. Brian, yeah, go, go ahead. I, I'd like you to expound. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, we, we, you know, one of the things we did that was kind of a risk for this series is, you know, we wanted to incorporate this Watcher core, you know, these Watcher kids. And, you know, our publisher is like, well, why do we need to have these kids? Like, why do they have to have a central role? This is a, a book for adults. And I think, you know, our response is, well, because number one, they're a metaphor for real life, right? You know, I, I remember, and I've told this story on other podcasts, I remember, you know, there was a time when I had an interaction with somebody at a store when my daughter was a little younger and it was uncomfortable. When we walked away, she said, you know, that was not, he was not a nice man, was he? And I said, no, he is not, you know? And I think a lot of times as adults, we tend to discount this ability for our kids to see through the bullshit. They can see through the, the facade, you know, Evil is very good at putting on a pretty face. You know, I always got more creeped out by the evil characters in films that were beautiful and glib and charming than the ones that were the monsters, right? Because the monster, you know, that's bad, you know, where the ones that are trying to trick you and seduce you, that's that's more disturbing. And I think for us, these watchers, they're, they're representative of the fact that you know, evil's coming in these different faces. And sometimes as adults, we we can't recognize that. So that was important. And also because as fathers, you know, we have young daughters and we feel that vulnerability. And as you make a choice sometime in your life, if you choose to have a family, that impacts your ability to go out there and be a warrior and do your job. Because now you have these um, conflicting obligations. And so that was important for us to pull that thread through the story because we've both felt that. Um, and I think m- any veteran who has a family or anyone on active who has a family feels that, that pull, like they're being pulled apart by their duty and their family. And so we wanted that in the story too. So yeah, that, that's an important thread. Those kids I think using children too, uh, as in that aspect in the, in, in the latest book you guys got right here is, is correct. Um, kids are, kids are pure. And that's what got me through when I was in Afghanistan was watching the little kids play in the playground when there's shooting going off down the street. It's like, geez, they just want to be kids. All right. Yes. There's, there is a God. I, I know this isn't, I mean, they, I, I wish they weren't in this area, but kids don't care. They just want to play. Even, even if it is with a bunch of wrought iron stuff that they could get impaled on because OSHA is not a big thing in Afghanistan, <laughs> but it's like they just wanted to play. And I remember it would help me. It would help me. I'm like, man, can we just play? Let's just play and have fun and, and, and just laugh. Who gives a crap what's going on around us? Simplifying it, like you said, Brian. They just simplify it. Good and bad. They're bad. This is good. Let's go play. Let's go Let's go jump on the monkey bars. That, that, yeah, there's a reason why there's a reason why the scripture yeah. says to come to God yeah. like a child, yeah. right? With a childlike faith. That's that's in the scriptures because 
there was an understanding by Jesus when he said that, that the child has the same yeah. insight like Brian is talking about, but they haven't loaded up all their other bullshit on top of it that blinds them to it. Like, I believe you and I have that same ability, but it's functionless in us because it's so buried underneath all of our adult misconceptions and obligations. And But for a kid, it's like, yeah, he's a good person. I can tell. He's a bad person. I can tell. That's all right, it. let's go play. Like, it's just that simple. And um, and so that was really fun in this series. And you'll see, you do see it, as you pointed out, a lot more in the second book. We really start to flesh that out. What this, the difference of good and evil. What are the, What is the goal of evil, right? What's the goal of evil in the world? We approach that in this book. No. Is it to kill man? No, it's not at all. It's to keep man from God, right? And so we have this premise that, all these evil things, whether you go back to the, you know, to the Crusades or you go back to Hitler in World War II or whatever it is, that's evil triumphing, not because of the people that died, but because the people that saw the horror and said there is no right. That's the victory. Victory is I can turn people from God through the horrible things that they see, yeah. like almost happened to yeah. you and almost happened to me. Right. So if that's the goal of evil as a writer. <laughs> Wow, what a rich, uh, you know, what a rich well of storytelling you have to be able to flesh those things out, and that's what we try to do in this series. And so it's it's fun and exciting, but also very thought provoking as a writer. And I think Dark Angel, if you're using kids, that's going to help veterans because it, it helped me. It, it, if if the veterans that aren't looking at kids or looking at the sunset or looking at children playing, guys out there, for all you that are having problems go watch a little soccer game for five-year-olds and tell me you're not going to smile and be like, wow. And, and have a nice, especially in the springtime right now, or are the T-ball games coming up? Or just tell me you won't smile and you will. And you're going to be like, you know what? There, there is a God. There is still good in this world. That's all it's going to take. So honestly, that's what you wrote, whether you intended this or not, that's going to help. It really does. I'm sure you did because you guys are brilliant and you, you, you manipulate in a good way. So that's a, so, um, but I really do. I think, I think now a veteran after they read that or anybody that's having issues, I could just, just go watch a park, just go, even if you don't have kids, don't be creepy, but go, go and just, just, just watch it. Watch, you know, watch, watch. <laughs> I used to do that coming back from, from Afghanistan, Iraq when my kids were at school, if I couldn't walk, I, I would. I'd go back and I'd just I'd watch kids play at a park with a cup of coffee and just smile. And like, you know, there there is. There's still good. There's still a lot of good out here. I, it really helped. That that's amazing. I, I I man, I appreciate you guys doing that. That's that's really fucking excuse my language for you kids out there. That's 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 really cool. That's really awesome. <laughs> that you guys did it that way. Whether you intended to or not, I'm gonna say you did intend to do it. Excellent job. Excellent job. It's not the pure goodness of the child alone. It's yeah. also the strength. That's the second part we fleshed out through the watchers is we as adults so underestimate the faith of a child, like because they can't possibly understand, but that's what makes them so strong, but also the strength of a child. And you'll see that a lot in, in this book and also the third book, which we've already wrapped up, which comes out in the fall. Wow. You see that come to its absolute culmination. I think it's the best book we've ever written. Um, the, the current one or the one that's going to come? I, I, well, it's, it's hard to break them down because they, they write as a trilogy. Um, I think this second one is really, really good. And it sort of sets up the final conflict in the third one. But um, you get to see that purity of the children, these young, young, not super young. They're like middle school and high school age kids. But you also get to see that 
underestimated strength. And I, as a parent, I do that all the time. I constantly underestimate the power of the faith of my children. Like I learn way more from them than they do from me when it comes to faith, but also just the the sheer strength of them, the, the strength of will, um, the strength of spirit that they have to conf- to confront things. We're always trying to protect them and they need a lot less of that than we think. And I think you see that a lot in this book awesome. and then the next one as well. Yeah, well, we'll check it out, guys. It's Dark Angel. As we said, it's the second in the Shepherd series. Uh, Andrews-Wilson.com, at Andrews and Wilson on Instagram, at B Andrews J Wilson on Twitter. Always good having you guys on, and I know the, resp- the response to the books is always great. And, yeah, this audience loves this type of stuff, picking up these Navy SEAL protagonist novels, uh, whether it's what you guys do or what Brad Thor does or Jack Carr or AJ Tata, all these different guys that we've named, and uh, they get something out of it. And it's cool that you did something, I think, that puts your faith at the forefront. But as we kind of said, I remember the last interview that Chris wasn't on, you know, it's not it's not yeah. being preachy. It's not being over the top. And whether you're a Christian or an atheist or whatever you are, you could pick this up and get something out of it. Well, thanks. We appreciate it. it was it's always great talking to you guys for real. Thanks. Yeah. No, great, you got great conversation. Keep, keep doing that, guys, because God needs to be put out there more and more and more. Virtue is what we're missing. Not laws, nothing. We don't need more of that. We just need virtue. And kids, kids have that virtue. Virtue is what keeps us out of trouble. And so when we lose that virtue, is what puts us in the dire straits that we are. Man's law doesn't mean shit. God's law is what we got to pay attention to. But and I appreciate you guys putting it in there because that's. That's huge. Appreciate you. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, actually, in terms of a project that I did, uh, we spoke about this the last time he was on, uh, is that James Smokey West had that book, A Mind for the Fight, and and Jim, I am saying James because he always writes as James, but I know him as Jim. He asked me to um, do the audio book over a year ago, and I got, I got this thing done well over a year ago. For some reason, we just had all these issues with Amazon that were never worked out in terms of the size of the cover and all this stuff. And I didn't forget about it, but Jim never contacted me about it again. So I was like, all right, maybe this book will see the light, light of day. Maybe it won't. And I called Jim recently not to talk about the audiobook. I just wanted to see how everything was going because I hadn't talked to him in a little bit. And he brought it up. He's like, we got to get this audiobook out there. I'm like, just let me know what I need to do. And we found out what I needed to get done and what his uh, cover, what we needed to change about the cover artwork. But basically, we got it up this past week, A Mind for the Fight, and it jumped to the number one new release on Amazon and Audible for martial arts. Uh, I was, for one, uh, like selfishly, it was cool <laughs> for my resume that we had a number one. But Jim's book is just such a great yeah. book, and it's exactly what you would want from Jim. I mean, it is barroom brawls. It is, it's extremely violent, extremely raw and real self-defense techniques that may save your life. And they're not the self-defense techniques you're going to read from a typical book because the fact that Jim writes from the perspective of this is what you have to do in a life or death situation. So it's like, don't use this in any other circumstance, but if you have to put your finger in some guy's eye, eye socket to get out of circumstance, you fucking do it. Like Jim's as raw and real as it gets. So I'm just glad to see this book is doing really well because he's a great guy. And and then the other thing I got to throw out there that's really funny is Jim called me in between these two calls. And he this is just out there. Jim hadn't talked to Jack Murphy in a while. And, and Jim goes, uh, he's like, I'm watching TV. And he's like, 
I think Jack Murphy is out there volunteering with the Ukraine with uh, the the Ukraine guys on the ground because I swear I saw a guy who looked just like him. And I was like, it can't be because Jack is like doing the podcast in Brooklyn right now. And he's like, you know, Jack and I know Jack. You're like, he's like, he loves being out there on the ground. He's like, he's a very, he has a very distinct look. I swear to you, this is him. Uh, so I called our friend D from the team house and D's like, no, we just did the podcast from Brooklyn. And he also didn't have like Jack's new number, but he called him and Jack's like, no, I'm not, I'm not in Ukraine, <laughs> but it was, you know, he was 100% convinced. He wasn't saying it to me as a well, joke. Tell Smokey to lay off, <laughs> lay, lay off the tongue, lay off the tunnel vodka there, Smokey. <laughs> That's the thing with him, too, I will say. if Not that he is a problem. No, he does. I give him shit. I'm just giving shit. He's I, awesome. No, but I, I've I've worked out with Jim, like, briefly. And this guy trains for a guy who's in his 60s like no other. If, if Jim probably didn't enjoy drinking or, like, eating whatever the hell he wanted, I think Jim would be, like, shredded with a six-pack because he still trains like a beast. But he likes but to eat whatever beat, he wants. A, he likes to drink, well, you know. It, it, that's the beauty of getting older, man. And that's of working out all the time is that you can eat what you want. I think a lot of, I, I mean, I, I, I still eat what I want. That's what I love about working out all the time. Like I said, I'm going to go run with my body armor and do a workout at the range today. And then I probably eat a candy bar of chocolate a day. I do because I love eating chocolate, man. But it gives you that ability. And, and when you turn 60 or you turn in your 50s, yeah, I still want to look good, but I don't give two shits about. Do I have a sick? I don't care. I still look decent. My wife. You have abs, definitely. I, I do have some abs more than Smokey does, but I'm also not sixty yet. So maybe when I'm yeah. sixty, it, and he's well, I think he's like sixty three. He's a badass. It, it is a badass. Yeah, I I want to get him back on because the thing with him that that truly is remarkable, and and he really is a friend and just a great guy, is that he's one of those few people well into his sixties that he's like, I want to make a movie out of this book. I want to, he's always got other things. And it's not that he doesn't have other things going on. I mean, Jim has a well-paying job in the um, construction and like renovation industry. So he does very well. Right now, especially, um, that's huge right now. Wow. Big money. Yeah, he's a very smart guy. Um, so it's not like he's one of these guys who who's like scheming on the next like big money idea. He just still has a passion. And he, and he also still has a great relationship with his son. So it's not like he's missing anything in his life. He just wants to get out there. I think Jim still has a desire to train the next big UFC fighter, train the next boxer, make this book into a movie. And I, I love when I talk to him that he still has the desire. He's not someone who's 60 and is like, ah, I've seen it and done it all. Like He is going to be just dreaming of new ideas and making them reality, I think, until He's no longer here. And I love that about him. It, it totally inspires me. I get, that's, that's, that's the most important thing right there. All you guys out there. That's why you should always be putting, putting your best foot forward and working your tail off. Cause somebody's seeing it. Somebody's watching it and you're going to inspire somebody that's younger than you. You're going to be that mentor that you didn't even know you were met. You're mentoring. Um, and it's something that our society definitely does need that hard work and that continually hard work. Um, and knowing that you're not going to be at the top of the game when you're in your 20. You don't deserve to be at that top level when you first enter the at the entry level. You have to work your ass off to get up there. But it's a hell of a ride and it's a hell of a climb. And Jim's a perfect example of that. That yeah, I didn't get he didn't just start off at the top. He's busted his ass and he still enjoys it. And he's 60 something, he's still busting his ass out there. And he's still working to another level that he wants to get at. So he's a hell of an example for the youngsters like myself 
<laughs> to continue to inspire to, but said he, he inspired you. And I'm sure he, that wasn't his intention, Ian, but that's the beautiful thing about people like Jim is that there's never the intention is I'm doing this to inspire other people. I'm doing it. And if it inspires somebody awesome, if it doesn't you know what, I'm just going to keep working my tail off and, and showing what hard work pays off, showing that hard work pays off. That's amazing, man. Yeah. I, to be fair, I also think Jim feels like he lost a few years because of the yeah. fact that, uh, you know, this book isn't about that because he's written another book, but this book is more just martial arts. That's what it's about, but he may touch on it. But, you know, if you listen to the interview with him, you know, this Jim's son was his younger yeah. son was brutally murdered uh, by several guys, you know, gang type of, of thing. And Jim still has his son that sat with us yeah. when we did the other podcast. He didn't really jump in or anything. And, and, you know, for a while, Jim says he isolated himself from the world. He wasn't doing a whole lot of anything. He was, he would always say I was in my man cave. He was like in the basement. He didn't talk to people. He wasn't interested in talking about his military service. He says he became ashamed for things that he should have been proud of. And it wasn't until years later, probably near 60, he broke out of his shell again and said, like, I'm, I'm going to step out of this. I'm going to get back to my old self. I'm going to desire to do things. And like, you, you have to give someone a ton of credit for that, man. I mean, for, his son to to be killed and if you're jim west i mean if you're a guy who lived your whole life bar fighting like you probably want to be out there for revenge and it'd probably be really hard to get back on on the that would be hard as you i, I can't well i can't even imagine i and i hope i never have to go through anything like that because yeah I, I don't even know i i don't know what i would i seriously i my kids are what keep me sane i i literally think i when my kids are here i'm batman and but if my kids something ever happened to my kids i'm the joker I literally, I really, that's my example that they keep me grounded and, uh, and to go through something like that and to get through it like he did, that's a hell of a, I, I, I do, I, I'm speechless because I don't know. I, I don't know if I could. Uh, and, and it's, yeah. and, and you've seen it. I mean, every time we talk to him and I know if we have him back on, he's like smiling, yeah. he's got that Georgia accent we all know. And like, he's just, he's a guy who at this stage in life is, is really loving life. So, I mean, that's an example. So, I mean, pick up the book yeah. if, if you're interested in martial arts or any of and that And listen stuff to the episode that we had on, because I think it was a great, not, not just yeah. to promote, but I think it was, he was on two episodes. So yeah, the, the first, you can hear about his story of about us. He, he talked about it pretty candidly. And I think it was a great interview. Um, so yeah, check, check Jim's, Jim's story out and follow him. Definitely follow him. And, but go ahead, Ian. I cut you off there about the book. Promote. Yeah, no, there's, well, there's nothing. He's not on, I don't know if he's on any social media anymore, but, uh, but check out the book. It's a mind for the fight. And if you do the audio book, you'll hear, you'll hear my voice. I, I did not do a Georgia accent. It just sounds like me. I'm not going to try to imitate Jim. I, I couldn't, but Jim said, he was like, I was listening to it. He was like, this sounds like a movie, man. And and if it ever did become a movie, I mean, it would be awesome. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention real quick, because we're, we're both fans of him. Rest in peace to the great Gilbert Gottfried. Oh, so many laughs yeah. with that guy. And in the past year or year and a half, it's like, we've lost Bob Saget. We lost Norm Macdonald. We Louis, lost Louis, Louis Anderson. Anderson. Yeah. We lost the amazing Jonathan and now Gilbert, Gilbert Gottfried. Um, it's just very sad to see some of the great well, comedians and, of our time. You know, and we're, we're not ones that like to, we're, we're not here sucking celebrities. We don't do that on this show, but you recognize talent when there is talent. And that was when comedy was, I, that, that was the heyday of comedy. And that was when comedy was funny. That's where it wasn't even the political sticks. They were funny and they poked fun at everybody. 
you know, now you've got the Daily Show with the, which is not funny at all. I, I don't that guy. What Trevor? You can't even compare the comedians they have now to what they were back then. And Gilbert Godfrey, whatever he did, he just he made it. He made it hilarious. I, I like I said when we did our text, the best cameo ever in a movie in Beverly Hills Cop Two. Uh, he, 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 I mean, how can you outshine Eddie Murphy in a cameo? I mean, he did. I mean, that's and that's back back in those days when when they were really funny. It was just fun, and it was fun to watch them. And uh, even till I, I listened to a show on Sirius every once in a while, and it was a great show. And, and he didn't. He, he just said what he wanted to say. And he Fort Fairlane. He was <laughs> awesome in Fort Mayor Fort Fairlane. Andrew Dice. Oh, that I happen to be. Yeah, watch Fort Fairlane. Andrew Dice Clay. And that even I. I gotta admit, I even think Andrew Dice Clay back in those days couldn't do it now, but it was fucking yeah. hilarious. And Gilbert Godfrey was hilarious cameo in that one as well. Yeah, he he was in so many things. And when you talk about him saying what he wanted to say, I mean, he truly was an example of that he didn't. I mean, he made jokes about really <laughs> tragic things and, and it cost him. You know, he I remember after he joked about like the tsunami, he lost. Remember, he was the Aflac duck. They got they got rid of him for that. So oh, you're going to see all these like flowery things about him. Um, but he did not give a shit about like corporations yeah. or any of that there. And, and to be honest, I'm, I'm going to be transparent here, man. He's, uh, Howard did a whole thing remembering him, but there's a reason you haven't heard him on Howard Stern in 10 years. Howard stopped having him on because of all the controversy surrounding him. And Gilbert was like, I'm going to say what I want. I don't really care if they're going to have me back. Howard, so it's just kind of weird having Howard say like, oh, we loved him. He was great. Well, then why didn't you have him? Howard's a se- dude, he's a, so. Stern's a sellout, man. Stern is, Stern is lost. His, he's terrible. I, 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 And he was one of those original guys too that would, you know, fart man and all that other. He was... I'm out there. I did. He was doing whatever he had to do to make a buck and he's still doing it. So screw you, Howard Stern. You know, you, you can't, you can't keep guys like Gilbert Godfrey on the true comedians on coming on your show. And then you're going to speak well about him. You know? Yeah. He, I mean, and he had some great, he did have some great moments on there, but I, you know, there's a reason you haven't heard him on in 10 years. And, and like I said, there was just, Gilbert got very controversial, but that was always his brand. That's what he was. Yeah, it wasn't like he changed yeah. anything. He still was Gilbert. God, I, I, I wish we, the cult, the culture changed. He, he didn't, didn't change. change. And, that's what it and is. And that's that's where you have integrity. He hasn't. He had integrity, and I'm sure he still has it. I know we none of us have ever met him, so maybe on the personal side, it was completely different. No, I I, I, I saw know. him live though. I saw him live at Governor's Comedy Club on Long Island, and I laughed my ass. And that was it was amazing. And that was the great thing is he brought laughter and laughter is definitely the best medicine and that's when again comedy was funny that's when it was real comedy and you weren't going to have some actor get all butt hurt and slap you on stage because <laughs> you said something because you're a comedian that's been uh, times really have changed brother and uh i i do miss that but they're all they're going to be immortalized because they will always be you held to hold on those high standards of, of this is what a comedian should be. So you're always going to be able to find them somewhere on yeah, TV. But com- I will also counter that and say comedy is certainly not dead. I mean, you go to the comedy cellar in, in New York and you're going to see a guy like Ari Shafir being as offensive as he wants to be. Right. I was just in Los Angeles and I saw Kurt Metzger. Kurt Metzger is certainly not 
gonna dude kurt metz I'm, I'm trying to think of kurt metzger did a bunch of material about like kyle rittenhouse that was you know he he doesn't give a shit so I, I don't i definitely don't think comedy is dead you, you think that, but just depends you think those guys will reach the levels though like a godfrey or or reach the levels of oh, even shit even like the, eddie murphy couldn't be eddie murphy anymore i mean it depends. I mean, I, you know, you and I both, but especially me, as you know, I'm a huge fan of Tim Dillon. And it's like you look at Tim Dillon's uh, Patreon and he's getting somewhere between like a hundred and two hundred thousand dollars a month from from uh, patrons alone on Patreon. Wow. So, I mean, those guys are definitely doing well. They're playing major theaters. They're they're selling out venues everywhere they go. And Tim Dillon certainly does not try not to be affected. Hey, so. You can't put Tim Dillon in the same category as Nitty Murphy or Gilbert Godfrey. Not, not yet. Not. I mean, take years I, yeah, and years. but the only thing though is, and Tim is kind of railed against this. Like movies are not what they used to be. There's not a. There's not a. They're kind of doing it on their own. Like, look at Joe Rogan. He's not. You're, you're right. He's one of the yeah. biggest names, but he's not in movies. He's because. I couldn't tell you the last like major, major yeah. comedy that came out that everybody, yeah, it's just kind of changed. People are doing things independently now through podcasts and through um, just doing their own thing. You, and I feel like they don't need the backing of, a, well, you know, a big studio. You're, you're right. No, you're right. You, and I don't think there's comedians out there that could hold, be center stage. I keep using this example, like an Eddie Murphy. You, you, you couldn't, there, there, there is, it, it, but the time, is it the times have changed or is it they just couldn't do it? There's some charisma that's there too. And not saying Joe Rogan or Tim, I like Tim Dillon. You know, I listen to his pie. I think it's hilarious because oh, he's, he's hilarious. but I yeah. love it because he's all over the place. He just, he, 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 yeah. he crushes everybody. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, I don't think they have that charisma, dude. I, I really don't. I, I, the last one that maybe was close enough to have that kind of charisma probably was Dave Chappelle. And it's just, and I, I, dude, I'm not being ethnic here, guys. I'm not saying, I'm just no, saying. But I he's just, also another guy who doesn't give a shit in the fact that he did that whole yeah. uh, comedy special where he talked about the trans issue and people were like, we got to cancel this guy. That was a whole nother thing with uh, Netflix, which you can go down a whole other rabbit hole. But Dave Chappelle himself, he's, when you reach that level of, uh, as my friend Rick Unger would say, like, fuck you money. Yeah. <laughs> which I have a whole nother story with that, but you could kind of do whatever you want. I mean, I, I, I hate to say it, but uh, you know, freedom, unfortunately, a lot of it comes from the amount of money that you have and the amount of money that you've generated when you don't have the money and you need to survive, you kind of have yeah. to suck up to whatever you have to do when you're worth tens of millions of dollars. You could say, I'm going to do whatever brand of comedy that I want. And if you don't like it, I'm, I'm going to be fine. I'm gonna and that's, that's all. That's awesome. I, I love that. I love when people do that. I'd love that they're able to do that. And did I tell you my Rick Unger story? I told it on the team. Ah, uh, I don't know. You know my memory. You may have. What? What was? It? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Did I wrap go, up go, with go, a Rick go, Unger go wrap story? Up, then I got to go get my kids from school. You wrap up. Rick. Okay. I I love Rick Unger. First of all, for people who don't know him, and and people might be like, oh, but he's left wing. But Rick is like one of the realest guys out there. I, I love him. Um. So I actually have when you walk into my apartment now, I have Biker Mice from Mars. Uh issue one signed by Rick Unger because because Rick Unger created Biker Mice from Mars, which is the cool thing about Rick. Rick never needed to like make money in political talks. So that's why he kind of just does what he wants. He's always going to give you his real opinion on things. Uh, but I'll tell you a funny, serious XM story. So Rick was former CEO of Marvel Group. He he has a lot yeah. of money is the, is the main point. So uh, when Rick was doing the show with Michael Steele, 
Rick loved to vape, and every two seconds he would have the vape in his mouth as we were as he was doing the show. And the engineers would always come over, and they'd be like, "Rick, hate to bother you, but you can't vape while you're on the air. It could possibly screw up the equipment." And Rick was like, "All right, all right." He would walk away, uh, you know, and act like he was in vape. They would walk away, and then he would put the vape right back in his mouth and be back at it. So eventually, it got up to like the hires at Sirius XM. And they were like, Rick, we love you here, but you uh, you can't vape. Like the program director for, for the station was saying this in the office. And I literally saw Rick say to this guy, he goes, you know, what's the great thing about having fuck you money. I could say, fuck you. I'm doing the show from my house. It's like, cause and, and that was Rick's whole attitude. He's like, I don't really need this. He's like, I'll do it if I want to. But, and, and the truth is until you reach that level of, and I hate everything that everything has to be about money, but it's just kind of the truth until you reach that level of success monetarily, you kind of have to put up with some shit. And it's just the way that it, that it goes sometimes in order to just make a living. It's true. It's true. And, and, and those different levels of money are different for everybody. Um, it, it is nice to have security if and, and you reach the levels that you want to reach and to do whatever you want to do. It, it is some freedom. I think that's what what money does is just allows you to not worry about money uh, more than anything. And that's not a bad thing. It's, it's a stressor that everybody has until you got a point where you don't have to worry about it. But when you don't have that stressor, it, it's nice. Um, this guy's take it to the extreme. I know we're going down different. Route. Take it to the extreme where more money is never enough. But to be like that, yeah, and, then, and then you're like, I, I, I have no issues. I was on Rick, Rick Hunger, Hunger and Steel show when the Benghazi thing came out, and honestly, Hunger was more, he was, he was more objective than Steel. Well, Rick, and and I, I actually, I like someone who knows them. Yeah, I, I liked him better. Yeah, than, I mean, than as I someone Steel. who knows those guys, but especially knows Rick, like Rick is as objective as they come in terms of he's going to give you his real opinion. He is not an ideologue. Uh, I mean, I'd love to have him on sometime, but yeah, he's not, does he lean left? Yeah. And, and actually Rick has convinced me of certain things. Rick has changed my opinion on many things because no one is going to out debate Rick. He's just one of the smartest guys out there. He probably, if you have an open mind, he probably will change your mind on some things. Um, but yeah, he's, I've seen before that when he, when he was a contributor Fox, which I don't think he is anymore, um, they would try to get Rick to come on to give like a left wing perspective on things. And Rick would be like, yeah, but I'm not left wing on this. So the only thing he was uh, really left wing to me about is he just loved Hillary Clinton at that time. I don't know if he does anymore, but at that time I was like, did he? like, come on, really? What's your, I don't know if, if he loved her as much as he just thought it was a better option than Trump. Maybe I, I, I just know whenever he could come on, he would talk how awesome Hillary was. Um, when I, really? when I, but that was, dude, you got to remember my yeah, brain doesn't work for it. That was years ago, and it was when I used to listen to the news. And I'm like, God, come on, man. Really? I don't know if he loved her. I, I mean, I'm sure he supported her. But Rick, um, it, it, it you know, Rick, I'll be honest. Like, Rick is is more for universal health care, like in that camp. And I was totally in the other camp. And after certain conversations with Rick, I'm like, I, I can see where he's coming from. And my views have actually shifted more in that direction. And uh the funny thing with Rick, too, is is this was like the height of Obamacare. People would always say, well, no one's read the bill. No one's read Obamacare. And Rick is a lawyer. And and Rick would always be like, excuse me, not only did I read the bill, he's like, I read it twice in its entirety. So Rick would be able to really tell you everything that was in Obamacare, and he'd be able to shoot down anything. 
Um, he's just, he's great at what he does. So I, I, I love the guy, I respect the guy. And I just have funny stories with him. I don't even know how we got, yeah, no. you're talking I'm, about I'm, the fuck you money I'm, thing, but I, <laughs> I, I, I love, I love Rick Unger. Like of, of all these people in political talk radio, I think there's so much phoniness. So it, it like, it resonates with me when someone is like, well, they think that's what the final end state is. Just be authentic with the Gilbert Godfrey. Just be yourself, man. Don't don't try to sell out to whatever they want you to sell out to. Just be yourself. And if it doesn't happen to make you money, well, so what? If it does, okay, great. But just be yourself. Uh, um, I, I used to run races. When I started winning races is when I stopped caring if I was going to win. That's when I started. And I think wow. that's with... With 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 what have you run? By the well, when I used to run track, I used to run the four hundred meter, the hundred meter, and then I ran all the relays. And then when I got in the military, it was ten milers, and I'd run the ten k's. And my but post military, have you done like a no? I, I did. I just run for fun now. I mean, I just I, I the you're not David Guy. No, and I, I don't have. The, I get out there, and you you have to have that drive to compete a little bit. Not to win. I mean, you're in my, okay, I want to do my best to, and a lot of guys actually, they have to think in their minds. I'm sure David's this way. I, I don't know. I have no idea, but guys, they have to win. I got to be first. That didn't work for me. That was, I just got to go out there and run the best race I could. Then when he got towards the end, okay, wow, I'm, I'm right up here and I got a lot of gas left. I'm just going to pass everybody. It's like reeling fishing. But when I was always worried at the beginning, I got to be first. It just made me so tight that I didn't, I wasn't very efficient when I ran. And that was my style is that I stopped worrying about it. And with money, when I stopped worrying about making money, it's when I started to make money. I, it really is. But I know that doesn't work for everybody. I'm just saying that's what worked for me. But that was me. And I was being what I was. I was not somebody that needed to be out there busting and hustling all the time. Just let's do what I do. And if money comes, it comes. Do what I do. If I win the race, I win the race. But I'm going to. I'm going to work my ass off to do it. And whatever happens, that's, the, and that's the faith too. That comes into faith. Believe in that. This is what's supposed to be, man. And I, I, that's, that's when things really became successful for me with everything is when I stopped worrying about it. Cause. And I know for you, when you say success, like you're talking, everything success, success and happiness. happiness. We're not just talking. No, about no, no. Yes. Yeah, success. But that's when I think when everything comes full circle, you have your, what you need. Yeah. You got money in the bank. Uh, you got a wonderful family. Everybody's happy at home. You know, no, we have our fights. Everyone, every family does, but we're, yeah. we're happy at faith. home. Faith is there. The faith is there big time. And I'm in it where I'm just, man, this is beautiful. Where you look at your window, like, man, I'm in a beautiful place that I want to be at that. That's beautiful for me. My, uh, my vision of beauty may be different from, from yours. If you aren't getting to where you want to be and you're constantly going, fuck, I'm working my ass. Well, I'm not stop worrying about it. Just continue to work your ass. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, you got to come. I, I agree. Like desperation, that never looks <laughs> a good look. Yeah, you got to. It's it's true in, in anything, in anything. But it comes full circle again, brother. It comes full circle. Just be who you want. Just just be yourself. Be Gilbert God. Yeah. Be Gilbert Godfrey. Just be yourself, man. <laughs> you know, hey, you know what I wanted to ask you? I know we got to go okay. here, but uh, and we've been we've been going way longer <laughs> than expected. But uh, when we were talking about running, how I said how you said you never competed in a marathon, even though you're an avid runner. Do you? I know you always say your swimming is not like what it is with your running, but do you think you'd be able to like do the Ironman yeah. like Chad Solomon, who we had I, on? Yeah, if I trained for it, I, I could. Pro I honestly, I could probably do a Spartan race if I trained for it, and and I honestly, I could probably go out. And I'm not being Eric. I, I could go out and do it. I would finish very well, but I could finish it. I know I could just because. I know how to suck. I know how to hurt. And I've stayed in pretty good. I've stayed in good shape. Um, but 
you really have to have that feeling of competitiveness where you want to compete. And what I, I don't really, it doesn't com- competition. I don't really want to, I, I, I think, you know, to be honest, it, 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 when I stopped contracting, I stopped going down range. The comp, the competitiveness kind of went away. It really did. And even, especially after Libya, dude, that's the ultimate competition right there <laughs> is, uh, yeah. is being left alone and fighting it out and seeing if you can win. And honestly, after that, everything just, nah, it's, 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 I don't, it's, isn't, I, I don't care if you win, go win the race. It's no, it, it really did. And it, honestly, it was a good thing though. I, I still want to work hard. And I still want to do the best I can do. But after, I'll be honest, after Benghazi, that, that ultimate competition where nobody came and we're literally, I mean, that, that, that's, that's what you, if you serve, that's what you're serving for right there is like, can I fight out of this and be left behind? Nobody's coming. And can I still win and get home? And can we get try to get everybody home? To me, that was like the Super Bowl. After and it was after that, it's like it, it, there's no the adrenaline. You know, they find new new purpose. It is, and the adrenaline just isn't there. So it's like, yeah, I I I'd like to run. I like to. This feels good, but as far as the competitive nature, it kind of left me. Not saying that you're going to beat me if we get in a fight. No, you're but you're going to bring your lunch because you may beat me eventually. But you're going to be feels. I'll fight my ass off, but. I don't go looking for competition like I did when I was younger, where I just, I played all the sports. I played football. I did it because I liked the competition. I liked that feeling. It, it's really not there anymore, um, which is not a bad thing. That's not my drive to be as best as I can be is still there in every facet of life, whether it be this podcast, whether it be a father, a husband, that drive to be the best I can be is still there. But to me to be better than you, no, I, I don't care. You, I want you to be the best you can be. If that's better than me, great. Then we're winning. We're both winning. We're, we're the best that we can be. And life is good for everybody. So I, I guess that's why I came back. A little kumbaya feeling yeah. when I came home. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, guys, if you enjoyed this show, please leave us a five-star please. review. We went really long here. So I hope you guys appreciate it. And um, yeah, we, we're going to do full video starting next month. We're just a couple of weeks away from doing full video. So subscribe to Battleline Podcast on YouTube. I know we don't have much on there right now, but we really need some people to subscribe on there so that we're able to get the YouTube going. What are you I'm doing? I'm trying to get our video right. Dude. I'm just trying to see which way, oh. which way works best. I- Cause you look good. Oh, but, um, so we really need to get, you know, more people on there. So please subscribe on YouTube to battle line podcast. And we're going to do a uh, Q and a episode very soon, actually in just a couple of weeks, that'll be our first video. So email battle podcast at gmail.com battle podcast at gmail.com support our sponsors. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's really it. Unless you have any, no, we, I talk long. way too much and I got to go get my boy at school. So God bless y'all. Guys, have a wonderful week when you, after you listen to the podcast here. And, um, yeah, send us questions. We love answering them. And, obviously, you can tell I speak a hell of a lot. So I'll give you an answer. Uh, but I really appreciate it. We will both appreciate you all listening to us out there and keeping us going. Um, amazing. God bless you all. Have a wonderful week, guys. Thanks, man. And, and enjoy uh, Hawaii. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Gosh, I got to fly. Uh, but, yeah, I'll fun. And maybe get some pictures and go run one of the trails out there. That's a bucket list thing is to run in Hawaii. One nice. So, yeah, That's awesome. Yep. All right. Thanks, guys. That's all for this episode of the Battle Line Podcast. But we'll be back on Monday with more American Straight Talk. Until then, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Battleline Podcast and on Twitter at Battleline Pod. 
To sign up for future Battleline tactical courses, go to www.christantoparanto.net. Believe in yourself, face all challenges head on, and as always, never, never quit. quit.